Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. On this morning's show, in light of our conversations the last few weeks regarding the, the growing and game-changing impact that, that club teams are having on youth sports in this country, I, I thought we'd take a step ahead and talk about your thoughts and, well, predictions on how youth sports are going to change the next 10 to 15 years. In other words, what is going to happen next? What's the next chapter when it comes to youth sports in this country? I mean, that is, if we assume that the club team model continues to grow and grow and expand, and it seems to me that that's going to happen unless rules and regulations come into play, that, that club teams will indeed become more and more uh, you know, powerful. It's as simple as that. Uh, and I, I can see all sorts of trends developing because of this, this ever-present growth of club teams in the United States, not just around here, but all over the country. And I'm curious to get your thoughts this morning about, you know, we're not looking, you know, 100 years into the future. We're talking maybe 10, 15 years from now, because as I've said many times on this show, we're in a, in a period of, of transition. Uh, it's quite fluid when it comes to youth sports and how we develop our young athletes uh, in, in the years to come. And, and I'm curious to get your thoughts and, and reflection about what do you think is going to happen next? So, anyway, I'm going to give you some thoughts myself this morning about where I think we're going. And, of course, I'm eager to get your thoughts. As always, at our toll-free line is one 337 6666 That is brought to you by Mohegan Sun. Unlimited possibilities await you at Mohegan Sun. So plan your stay at mohegansun.com. Okay. First prediction, that kids will start out in sports for better or for worse, and they'll be funneled into only one sport at increasingly younger ages, even as young as five or six years old. In other words, kids, obviously aided by their, their moms and dads or parents, will start to specialize in one sport at an increasingly early age. Now, I've even heard in the last couple of years that there are some genetic tests that are used to help parents determine early on what will be the best sport for their kid to play, based upon, of course, the kid's DNA makeup. Of course, <laughs> it'd be nice if the youngster uh, actually loved the sport that he or she is pushed into, but perhaps that's asking for too much. But what drives this, of course, is the parent's hope that the sooner a kid learns to develop a skill in just one sport, the faster that he or she will develop into a promising star. It's all about getting a leg up on the competition. And, of course, with the growth of club teams and early on specialization over the next decade, 
we'll invariably see, and this is something to keep in mind, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced we're going to see the local rec and community teams, well, they're going to begin to eventually disappear and fade away. And so will Little League and ASO Soccer and other comparable youth leagues. Why? Because parents who have serious athletic dreams for their youngsters, well, they'll be enrolling their kids in club programs and not, quote-unquote, wasting their time in the local youth leagues. Next prediction, well, down the road, again, not in 10 or 15 years, but in due time, (laughs) high school varsity teams uh, will also disappear because there'll be fewer and fewer kids to be on their rosters. That's because the school's best athletes will be playing on outside club teams, not on the high school varsity. And we're already seeing this happen. And by the way, you know, I I just, I'm not trying to say this is all good or bad. I'm just trying to lay out what seems to be the landscape and how things are changing. Uh, Of course, the most popular sports for kids will be seen, uh, those sports which offer the best chance for a full college scholarship. You know, a couple of years ago, lacrosse became quite popular because suddenly lots of colleges all over the country were expanding their programs and offering scholarships. Well, you know, maybe esports will become the next big wave, especially if more and more colleges offer athletic scholarships for video gamers. I mean, that's, that's very much in the news these days, and that may continue. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts about this, and let's, let's start with your calls this morning because uh, a lot of, there's a lot of ground to cover here, as I said, where I think we're on the cusp of seeing some real major changes in terms of sports for our kids today and how they're going to develop. Let's start uh, this morning with, uh, with our friend Jack over in Farrellon, New Jersey. Hey, Jack, good morning. How are you, Rick? Good, how are you doing? Going? Good. Doing Little... great. Doing great. Um, you know, once again, great topic. Um, you know, like you know, you and I have talked many times, and uh, we've emailed, and, you know, and I enjoy our emails. Um this is a this is a dilemma because you know years ago, youth sports you know were it was all about the recreation and getting kids involved and and you just talked about the DNA program you know it's almost like the Russians of of yesteryear that would pick out kids at five and six and seven years old and train them in certain sports and take them away from their families I mean you know hopefully it never gets to that point. Um, you know, you talked about the specializing at a young age. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. Kids should be playing as many sports and as many activities as they possibly can until there's a time where they need to start looking at that one sport that they want to progress with, they want to move on to the next level. I mean, youth sports, I had a kid that I, I, I do baseball and softball training, and most of the kids come in with their parents who are gung-ho and want, you know, want what's best for their kid, but sometimes the kid doesn't want it. And, you know, that's a topic for a future date, possibly, the pressures that parents put on kids. But I had a kid that came in and said, Jack, all I want to do is make my rec team. And it was like, oh, my God, this is amazing, you know. (laughs) All she wanted to do was just play at the rec level, feel successful, have some type of skill level that can compete with those kids. And she progressed, and she got so enthusiastic about it that she became one of my most improved hitters. And this kid, all she wanted to do was play at rec. And, you know, the the club teams are going to start taking over high school teams also. I mean, I see a lot of high school uh, athletes moving away from high school sports because of the pressures that they get 
from their club teams and stuff like that. Well, Jack, let, me, mean, let me interrupt you I, there because I agree with you. And, uh, and Jack, as always, my, my, my thanks for, for checking in. I greatly appreciate it. I love it, Rick. Thanks, Jack. Uh, you know, and, and the thing is that Jack alluded to, and I just mentioned as well, we are going to see the, the, um, a, a tremendous amount of disruption as club teams become more and more uh, pervasive and more powerful, and more and more high school players are going to make a decision. We're already seeing this, obviously, with soccer in, in certain schools, that, that uh, the kids are going to play on their club team because, quite frankly, that's where the college coaches do their recruiting from, not from the high school teams, but from the club teams. And that's the reality. And eventually we're going to see uh, fewer and fewer high school varsities being able to survive because, quite frankly, the best athletes in the school district are playing for outside club teams. Uh, let's continue uh, with Ray up in Connecticut. Ray, good morning. You're on the fan. Rick, good morning. How are you, sir? Good, Ray. Um, can I suggest to you um, that there, you've understated the bad and understated the good. Okay. In understating the bad, um, there are lots of parents, and I coach um, both baseball and soccer uh, and have for years. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, there are parents, and not a small number as a percentage, of parents who are living vicariously through their children. Agreed. They did not have the, um, ironically, clearly, they did not have the um, sports abilities that they project onto their children. Okay? Yep. So those kids are in a bad place to begin with. Mm-hmm. If, we, if we have these parents who are vicariously doing their, this to their children, if, and, 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 and they want to move them into the club level, um, of competition, as opposed to being in a recreational league like Little League, for example, or ASL in soccer, all right, that's not a terribly bad outcome. Because then you will have, as Jack just said to you a moment ago, this young girl who all she wanted to do was to become a good rec player, make her rec team, and she grows into, unsurprisingly, a really good player. Mm-hmm. Let's take that experience, okay, and this is someone in a rec league who's, you know, let's say 10 years old, I'm making it up, but let's now take that to the high school level. What if we take out all of those players, okay, who are on the club level, okay, who are being coached or, and, and, and are aspiring to uh, college um, careers, and let us be honest with, with ourselves, some of these vicarious parents are looking forward to someone picking up their child's um, educational costs in college, that's also at issue or an issue. But then we leave the kids who play at a, at a high level, okay, because they like the sport, they then represent us in, in, in our varsity sports. Is that a bad outcome? No, Ray, it's not, but I just want to make clear about this. And I hear what you're saying. Uh, what is, I mean, I don't, for years and years and years in this country, uh, the, the pinnacle of uh, amateur sports for kids was to be in their high school varsity. And now what has happened in the last 10, 15 years, as kids aspire, the best athletes aspire to go on and perhaps play in college and maybe get a scholarship, is to play, well, if I'm going to do that, it's clear that, that I should be on an outside club team. So they're not... At, at, no, but at the, ri- at the risk of offending you, yeah. um, the... the there was a period of times in which being on your high school um, varsity team and being a letterman, okay, yep. was the pinnacle. Right. And that probably peaked in the 1960s or the 1970s. Okay. 
at that point, it became, the imperative became, okay, I'm going to do well enough until I'm 17 years old, and then, because I'm really well enough, I'm going to be um, given a scholarship at fill-in-the-blank of whatever the school that has the highest level of competence. And we can use Johns Hopkins, for example, in lacrosse as easily as we can use Alabama in football. Yeah, uh, Ray, I'm not really quite sure where you're going with this. I mean, I think we're both on the same page. We are, but what, what, the, the, where I'm going is that is to say that, that you're, you're, you're saying that it's in the last 10 or 15 years that this change has taken place, and I would suggest to you that this change took place 30 or 40 years oh, ago. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, all right. That's a fair point, Ray. I hear what you're saying. Uh, it, my, my sense, of course, is that uh, whether it took place 10, 15, or 30 years ago, and that's a bit extreme, the fact is we are seeing this migration with the top athletes now going on to play for club, club teams, and in particular, as I said early on at the top of the show, it's happening at a much, much earlier age. We're seeing a specialization at increasingly early ages for kids, The kids are sort of being funneled or pushed or cajoled to playing one sport uh, when they're five or six, as opposed to playing a variety of sports. And this has all sorts of cascading effects as the kids get older and older. One in particular, which I'll discuss after I come back from, from Dave Uram's update, is the fact that, that the, if, what happens if a kid, by the time they play you know, three or four years in one sport, all of a sudden they realize that's not the right sport for them and they're not going to be a star. This causes real concerns as well. Okay, let me let me take a pause. As I said, Dave has an update for you. When I come back, I go right back to your calls at one 337 6666 Radio.com. And welcome back to the Sports Edge. We're talking this morning about what is the future of youth sports in this country, meaning that uh, particularly with the advent of club sports and the impact they're having, it's really changing uh, what is going on and, and, and puts tremendous amount of pressure on moms and dads as sports parents today to try to figure out how to navigate their kids uh, through youth sports. And I'm taking your calls at one 337 6666 Let's continue. Let's go out to Baldwin, Long Island. John is on the phone. Hey, John, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you, John? Doing good. Doing good. Yeah, it's uh, as a parent, um, it's definitely hard dealing with uh, other parents who have their kids doing a single sport, and and being one where I have my kids do multiple sports based on whatever the season is and whatever my kid wants to do. Right. Um, you know, you say you go out on the lacrosse field and your kid's playing lacrosse, and they're young, they're, they're seven, eight, nine years old, mm-hmm. and the kids their age, all they're focusing on is lacrosse all year, and they'll run circles around, around my kid, but my kid's also, you know, she'll do lacrosse, she'll do basketball, she'll do gymnastics, she'll do whatever it is, you know, that she feels like doing. We don't have a focus on the one thing. John, this is exactly what I'm talking about. This This is what you're living through now. Because parents today, they, they sort of figure, well, I, I, I understand, how, how can I in the world decide what's the right sport or sports for my youngster to play if he or she hasn't had a chance to sample all of them when they're five, six, seven years old? And suddenly, so you think you're doing the right thing by having them play a variety of sports according to the season. Suddenly, you look around on the other field, and there's, there's, there's a club team that practices all year round in just one sport, 
Uh, and you can see that uh, those those kids are theoretically getting a leg up on your youngster because they decided to specialize. That's what's that's what's going on. And parents parents have a hard time with this, and obviously their kids do as well. Exactly, and uh, I you know I also worry about you know some of the other kids getting burnout from playing the same sport year after year, season after season. Uh, I know there are a lot of studies on injuries where where kids are doing the same sport over and over again. Yes, uh, they're more prone to injuries. Uh, than if they, you know, have a variety of different things that they do. Well, in recent so. years, you know, the people have now begun, especially orthopedic surgeons, have now sort of spoken out and said, you know, when you have a kid specialize in one sport all year round, uh, repetitive use injuries uh, become much more commonplace. Uh, and again, this is a term that didn't exist 10 years ago, but exists now because of the kids specializing all year round. And to your other point, John, which is often, it's just not talked about much, uh, but I, I worry about the fact that let's say you have a kid who's, who's six or seven and, and, uh, is basically said by their parent, no, we want you to play just, as you say, lacrosse, you play lacrosse all year round. We think that's, you're going to be really good at lacrosse. Um, if the kid gets to be 10 or 11 and sort of says, you know, I, I guess I like lacrosse. I'm, I'm okay at it. I'm not a superstar. But, you know, maybe this is not really what I want to do. It's not really my passion. But at this point, age 10, 11, I've sort of been bypassed by kids who play other sports because I didn't play those other sports. And then the kid walks away either because of burnout or a lack of desire or just doesn't want to play anymore. And I begin to worry. You know, we don't hear much about those kids who walk away from the sport when they're 10 or 11. Yeah, they may find other interests in life, and I'm sure they do, but it's just... I worry about their, their lack of physical activity or their lack of exercise. And, of course, their, their sense of uh, self-esteem goes by the boards as well. These are all the incipient concerns that happen when kids specialize uh, in just a very, very young age. And I said, John, you, you're living this right now with your own kid. Yes, yes. But uh, I'm going to keep going you know, with my three kids and let them, whatever they choose to do sport-wise, as long as they stick it out through that season, uh, if they want to try other things, they see something, they want to give it a shot, you know, give it a shot. I mean, I think of somebody like, I think it was, I think it was O.C. Humanura, uh, the Giants, who mm-hmm. had never picked up a football until he was like a sophomore in uh, in high school. Right. And, you know, he went on to be an all-pro and things like that. You know, he had done all sorts of other things during his, during his youth. But uh, you never know what, what the kid's going to be able to pick up and be good at depending on the age. John, so I think and I, is the way to go. That's, that's, a, that's an excellent example. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you talk to the top pros today, uh, it's, it's rare to find them, any of them, to say, yeah, I just played one sport when I was growing up. Uh, they, they all played different sports. And as I got to be in high school is when they decided, you know, I like all these different sports and I'm good at them, but now I'm just going to focus on one because I think I have a chance to really, you know, uh, go to the next level. And that's that lesson seems to be lost on too many uh, sports parents today, and that, that's the consumer we're talking about. John, thank Absolutely. you for the call. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. And, you know, that, that, that is what we're talking about, that because there's, a, there's this inherent desire with moms and dads thinking, well, the sooner I get my kid to specialize uh, on, on one sport and find an appropriate team for them, whether it's a club team or a travel team, the better off they're going to be. You know, 
I, I'm not sure that's correct. I'm not sure that's the right way to go. Let's uh, let's move on. Let's go to our friend Ed over in Elizabeth. Ed, the last time I spoke to you, you were heading into the hinterlands of upstate New York, and we hey Rick, we lost contact. Took, and I don't know. Rick, if, <laughs> I froze up there, and it took me three hours to go home. I still couldn't fall out at the end of the night. And then I, you, I never, <laughs> you bring the weather back here as well. Today, but what, what the only good part about it is my nephew had a great game that day, so I, it was worth the trip. That's what I'll say. Okay, okay, uh, but but a, cu- a couple of things I want to bring up. The first thing I want to bring up this weekend in, at Community Park in North Brunswick, New Jersey, Mike Garlotti, the uh, Major League Scout for the Colorado Rockies, uh-huh. is running an autism high school tournament with forty of the elite high school teams in the state of New Jersey will be playing. Mm-hmm. So I think if people want to see the top players in New Jersey, they should go to this event. It starts Friday. Uh, it goes Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, there's two fields. So on Friday, there's two games on each field. Saturday and Sunday, there's four games on each field. And uh, there's going to be a lot of outstanding D1 high school players playing. And not only that, players that may have the ability of being major league draft picks. And uh, it's a great event, especially when the youngsters go out that are autistic and throw out the ceremonial first pitch. Yeah, it's great. Absolutely wonderful. But, it, but a couple of things I want to bring up. Uh, the first thing with travel baseball, it's actually starting to interfere now during the high school season. Now, mm-hmm. I know I know situations because high school coaches have told me where their high school players are playing on Sundays on these travel teams in certain leagues that they're in and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's no loyalty. There's, there's actually no loyalty with the travel coaches with the high school team. So again, it's 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 a real tough situation there. And then I also heard you say too, you know, about parents are looking for full scholarships. Unless they're football, basketball, and Rick, question one answer. Your son's played hockey. Is there full scholarships in hockey? Yes, yes, but okay, but you know, (laughs) there are full scholarships in ice hockey, but you know, ice hockey is a different kind of animal because most of the kids that go on to play D one hockey are kids who've already played junior hockey, you know, and uh, have maybe gone to prep school for a postgraduate education. So they're 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 coming in as a freshman into college at age nineteen, sometimes even twenty. Uh, and okay, and and the and the, and the other <laughs> so it's it's a little different. But to your point, the full scholarships for the most part in this country are primarily for football and basketball, baseball, well, soccer. They're all sliced and diced into small portions. Well, this is what I want to bring up to parents, and I hope they listen to what I got to say. Yes, you want to get your kids to become pretty good athletes. There's no doubt about that. You you spend a lot of time and effort, and probably maybe working an extra job to help. Your, your son or daughter fulfill a dream. Why not worry about their education? Because, for example, an education is going to take up, a, if they get outstanding grades, it's going to take up a bulk, bulk of their scholarship money. And people have to start understanding that because the other than the three sports we just talked about, the other sports, are good, they're all going to get partial athletics. So increase the, you know, the academic money that they have, and guess what? You can help the parents save money. Well, <laughs> Ed, we both know the answer to that question, and that, of course, is that uh, watching your kid play sports is a lot more fun than watching your kid take tests and, and, and read books. <laughs> yeah. And one last thing. <laughs> I, know in, I know in New Jersey it's starting to take effect. A lot of the high school teams are having trouble fielding freshmen and JV teams, uh, and I think a lot of it has to do with travel baseball starting to interfere in, into the spring season well, this instead, is... of, instead of waiting to the summer because a few of my friends are high school baseball coaches and they're already talking about maybe next year they may have to eliminate a program. This And, that, and, and Ed, as always, my thanks for the call. Uh, have a great day. You too. And that's an important point. 
uh, Ed just mentioned at the end, yeah, travel programs, club teams, uh, let's always bear in mind they have no affiliation, uh, no relationship with the high school programs. They run independently. They run parallel. And as Ed said, we're beginning to see some some creeping now with, with travel baseball programs sort of saying, well, you know, playing your baseball team in high school during the week, but in the weekends come play for us for the travel team. This is a growing concern because, and high school coaches have said for years and years and years, and whether it's soccer or other programs or ice hockey, hey, make a choice. Either play in your travel team, club team, or play the high school team, but you can't do both. And we're seeing this, we're also seeing, as Ed mentioned, we're seeing fewer and fewer numbers, and it's particularly evident at the Little League level, as kids are now saying, or their parents are saying, you know, Little League in our town is nice, fun and everything, but I want my kid to be a serious ball player. And uh, he is not going to get the kind of exposure or the coaching at a Little League team as he'll get on a club team. And that's, again, part of the, of the concern I'm talking about this morning, that we're seeing kids, thanks to their parents, migrating at a very early age to club teams and bypassing the, you know, the, the local youth and, and rec programs. Let's continue on. Let's go, um, let's go to Jeremy uh, here in the city. Jeremy, good morning. You're on the fan. Jeremy, are you there? Yes. Sorry. Hold on. Hi. Um, yes, I wanted to bring up uh, the European soccer program and how they kind of run, and I don't know if it's something that's really been talked about on the show. Well, I've talked about the European model for years and the fact that it's a little different, obviously, because obviously they don't have high school programs like we have here in the States. You know, they any, any kid who wants to be an athlete in, in Europe, let's say soccer, for example, you know, they, right. they, they go at an early age to play in a club team. And that's fine, and uh, that's that's something that we've talked about a lot. However, with, with the club programs in Europe, as I'm sure you're aware, you know, if a kid gets on a club team and all of a sudden continues to progress, and then after at the time they're 10 or 11, they stop progressing, or they're no longer considered to be one of the top players. Their, their so-called quote-unquote contract is not renewed, and the kid is sort of let go from the team. And it's very hard to find another team to pick that kid up. So there were, there were concerns, and Jeremy, thank you for the call. There, there were concerns about whether that's the way to go as well, because that's, that's the other extreme where the club teams uh, you know, basically uh, you know, rule the roost, and there are no high school varsity programs in Europe. Uh, and again, there were, there were flaws with that as well, because as I said, kids get sort of shunted off, uh, you know, at, at, at too early an age if they aren't developing. And one of the things that I, I, I concerns me in all this, and we haven't talked about it yet today, is about fun. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I think the element of fun somehow gets squeezed out of this. And I know, A.J. Uh, from Princeton, you want to talk about this as well, but i got to take a time out. When I can return, A.J., I'll come to your call, and we'll talk about the element of fun and how this, what kind of role, if any, fun has it in sports for our kids. Sounds kind of you know, unusual to even talk about this, but yeah, it's something that we are very much concerned about. Okay, let me take a time out. When I return, we'll take more of your calls. Stay with me. And don't forget, at uh, 9 o'clock this morning, Ed Randall will be here, and Ed will be talking baseball on this very cold, blustery uh, Sunday morning. Uh, it's funny, driving into the station this morning, I, uh, as I always do, I went past uh, the corner of uh, Hudson and Clarkson here in lower Manhattan, and uh, at 7.30 in the morning, the temperature's in the mid-40s and the wind howling. 
Uh, it was sort of uh, gratifying to see a bunch of uh, youth leaguers, little leaguers playing ball in the little corner ballpark there uh, with their moms and dads all bundled up. But uh, that's that's pretty dedicated stuff to see kids playing in such cold weather at such early uh, morning on a Sunday here. But uh, again, this has been a most unusual spring to say the least. Uh, as always, I remember I remind you to check out my uh, my website. Uh, at AskCoachWolf.com, where you can also order a copy of my new book, uh, Secrets of Sports Psychology Revealed. Again, that's that book is, uh, I wrote it in such a way that it's accessible for, for serious young athletes so they can understand or go th- cut through all the myth and mythology when it comes to the mental side of sports. I, I hope you have a chance to, to pick up a copy. Uh, I want to remind you, of course, uh, that today is Jackie Robinson Day. Major League Baseball will be honoring the the courage and contribution of the uh, former uh, UCLA standout, Jackie Robinson, who, of course, uh, broke the color line on this day in April 1947. You know, I I just feel compelled. I want to point out, especially to our younger sports fans, that just because Major League Baseball became integrated, integrated on that day so many years ago, it did not mean that racism in pro baseball came to an end on the same day. In fact, it took years and years before African-American ballplayers were truly given equal opportunity and respect uh, in our game. In fact, I can just call in 1973, when I was playing my first year of pro ball in the Tigers organization, we had an away game in Greenwood, South Carolina. And uh, the game, the the ballpark was in a fairgrounds in Greenwood, uh, and the game was delayed for an hour. The game start was delayed for an hour so that there could be a KKK rally uh, before the game on the field. I was just stunned. Again, that's not 1947, that's 1973. Now, there have been lots of books written about Jackie Robinson, but there are two terrific books about baseball and African-American ballplayers that are worth tracking down. One is called, uh, or is entitled, Uppity, which is the autobiography of Bill White, uh, the former all-star first baseman, Yankees commentator, and, and National League president. Uh, Bill writes unflinchingly about what it was like for him and his black teammates in the 1960s, playing in front of hostile and racist crowds in the South. And the other book worth uh, picking up is entitled Southern League by Larry Colton. It wasn't until 1964 that the Southern League, Double uh, A League, uh, had its first black ball players, and they were not welcome. And Colton, uh, a former pitcher for the Phillies, tells an amazing story of what happened back in 1964 in Southern League. They're both both worth taking a look. Okay, we're talking this morning about uh, what's the future of youth leagues and the pressures that parents face today in trying to decide what to do with their kids. Uh, I know AJ from Princeton uh, was going to talk about fun, fun being squeezed out of the element of, of playing youth sports. And yeah, I think that's something that too many parents often overlook when it comes to their kids. Let's continue. Let's go with um, let's go with Tom in Brick, New Jersey. Tom, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, Rick. I tell you, you know what? What you talk about uh, when you say that you know high school baseball is going to uh, kids are going to have start missing games so they can play with their travel teams on Sunday or affected. Mm-hmm. It's already happening. Of right? course, it's already happening. Our, sure. In our area, right now, I can tell you, our high school had twelve kids go out to freshman baseball. There's an, another town in our area here in the Brick area 
that doesn't have a freshman team. They don't need them. They're playing on all kinds of super teams, and it's just going to affect all the way down. I pray that there was a test to test a child's athletic ability the way we can test their their IQ. Because then there maybe it will return some sanity. Tom, it, it's a uh, it's it's a nice wish. Obviously, it, it's um, I don't know of any test. I'm sure you don't either. But yeah, this is this is what's happening, and it's also happened with softball as well. Uh, the more talented girls who play softball say, "Nah, I'm not going to play in the high school team. I'll just go play for my my travel or club team." And you're seeing firsthand that we're seeing less and fewer and fewer kids. Uh, going out for the high school programs, and I think it's just going to continue, and I think the numbers are going to continue to dwindle because the kids are just being siphoned off to outside programs. That's that's what's happening, not just in Brick, but all over the tri-state area, all over the all over the country. Simple as that. It's it's it's. Uh, yeah, I don't know what happens next, but we'll see. Tom, thank you for the call. Let's go to uh, let's go to JC in uh, Pearl River. Uh, New York, Pearl River, uh, yeah, Pearl River in Rockland County. JC, good morning. Hey, good morning, Rick. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good, good, good. Just wanted to chime in about the fun of Little League and the community and the participation and involvement. Yes. I'm a first-year coach in our, our Little League over in Nanua Little League, which is in Rockland County. Right. And I have three, I have three boys. I'm coaching their t-ball team, two of them. Um, and this is my first year as part of this league, and you know, in our managers' meeting before the season, they were talking about how the league start, sort of starting to get decimated, you know, seeing numbers dwindle a little bit because of all these travel teams and taking players away. And it really is a shame because, you know, for the chance for a kid to go pro or to get a scholarship, it's such an infinitesimally small chance, and the, the family and the parents are missing out on the fun of this. We had a parade yesterday all the way through, you know, through part of town, into into the field and a, a huge big turnout. The whole field was covered with players and and parents and stuff, and it was just a great feeling to, to be part of that. And you know, it's just a, it's, I don't know what the answer is, but they're just all these families are missing out because they want their they think that their kid can go pro or their kid can get a full scholarship, and it's just you know it's unfortunate. JC, let me just make this clear: it's not that baseball is less popular with the kids and the parents today. No, it's just that the, the parents are reallocating the kids who used to play, you know, Little League or Youth Leagues and, and everybody's their hometown. They're now being siphoned off to travel or club teams. So when you when you go when you go play in a club team, you know, it, it's not part of the local community usually. It's just something that's different and draws kids from uh, all over the area. And it, that that sense of camaraderie, of fun, of being something in the town, that that that's something you sacrifice because it's not about you know being in 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 uh, you know in your town playing on on their team. And the parade, there are no parades in club sports. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, no, and that's what I'm saying. It's very unfortunate. I know a couple of my friends have kids that are a little bit older than mine that are pretty good, and yep. you know one of them is really good, and and they're getting pulled into all these different leagues and. One of them threw out his arm because, you know, one league doesn't talk to the other, left hand doesn't talk to the right, and he's pitching every day. And, you know, I don't want to say they don't care about the kids, but, you know, there's not that same level of, uh, I mean, I'll use the word care that, that the high school teams, you know, give to, to, to the child and for the child's well-being. Yep. It's, it's uh, it, again, what you're living through right now is just a microcosm of what all the sports parents are going through uh, all over the area, and and 
again, that's why I said early on, it, it, we're really in a state of transition. Uh, we don't really know how this is going to play out. But one thing's for sure, it's a lot different than it was uh, a generation ago. Uh, and that's a concern. JC, thanks for the call. Let's, uh, let's, go to, um, let's go to John out in Long Island. John, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, good morning, Rick. How are you? I'm well, John. How are you? Good. I wanted to touch base. Uh, you've been a, a long-term uh, positive influence on youth sports that I've been listening to as I've been uh, raising my uh, three children. Um, and a couple of the things um, that, you know, the, the gist of this morning is to talk about club sports and uh, taking away from Little League and some of the anxiety that some of the parents may have. Uh-huh. Um, it may be a bit unfound because eventually the kids develop in their later teenage years and kids that maybe necessarily didn't do one sport later on that did multiple sports. By the time they're 15, 16, they've developed athletically and physical wise. And it's, it's a playing field again. So you're saying John, that, that uh, by the time the kid's 16, which would make them probably a a sophomore or junior in high school, That they they've now that's the time where the where being on a club team uh, does make sense. Well, I'm not saying it necessarily makes sense. My my first point is 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 I think club teams do make sense for for a couple of reasons. Um, but I do the the first point being that hey, you know, when the kids are young, don't choose to put your kid in a club team if your child is not yet ready, feeling that the child ah, is going to okay. fall behind. Right. Okay. okay. But that, that is the mentality that most parents feel, that they feel that i got to make this decision early on, otherwise my kid will fall behind. Right, but they, but they really don't have to because there's a physical component to athletics where children have to develop into it. <laughs> yeah, and I, so I agree. Yeah, I agree. You, you know, whether you choose to do it or not, um, it's up to you and the family, but they, they should not feel any pressure to do so yep. um, because of the size is, is, is one point. And, and another thing with the club sports – um, and with the little league, you know, you know, I do have a son. I have two daughters also. With the little league, you know, I think the little league is being lost. My son did it. Today's generation does not love baseball the way that our generation did. Correct. I know that. Um, it is. It is. It is. It is past. You know, they don't have the attention span to do it. Uh, you know, too many World Series late at night that the kids couldn't watch it. They're supposed to be sleeping. Right. Uh, um, pace of play. So, you know, with the Little League, I think it has more to do do with that. Club team selection, though, another issue between club teams and because I face this, you know, my oldest is just a freshman in college now, um, is that sometimes parents also choose to do club teams because the coaching um, at a club team, for the most part, is certified coaching where there is some sort of a vetting process. Mm-hmm. In most high schools, the coaches are people who volunteer to do the sport. Well, John, I, that's where I think, no, I think that's wrong. First of all, uh, at the high school level, let's bear in mind that the high schools, to be, to be a high school coach, uh, you have to go through all sorts of certification. You have to know CPR. Uh, the athletic director obviously wants to make sure that the coach uh, does have a knowledge and background, uh, obviously, as an educator. Uh, so I think it's a little more rigorous than you might think at a high school coach. Now, that being said, you know, we know the high schools always give top priority to the school teachers on the faculty to come out and coach. But, you know, uh, there, there is some, some, some uh, rigorous uh, application that's made to make sure that the, the, the person who's hired as the high school coach 
knows what he or she is doing. On the club team, yeah, there are some, uh, it's a little just the opposite. In the club teams, there, are, there is no licensing or certification from the state. Uh, there may be some certification from a, a, another organization, but you, you, a parent is, is, it's incumbent upon the mom or dad when they, they decide their kid wants to be in a travel or a club team to really do your homework and check out exactly what the credentials are. Just because somebody played played, uh, you know, uh, uh, let's say baseball at, at, in college or maybe even a year of pro ball doesn't necessarily make them qualified to, to work with kids, although obviously they may have a knowledge of the game. So again, it's up to the parent to make sure that uh, they're spending their money properly and finding the right coach uh, for the youngster. But again, this is what goes on. I, I, I hear what you're saying, too, about, about Little League Baseball. Uh, Major League Baseball likes to pride themselves on making the game fan-friendly, but, yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me, at least, when um, – and, John, thank you for the call. It doesn't make any sense to me to start the season when it's uh, snowing and it's 35 degrees. Nobody wants to play baseball in that kind of weather uh, or go to a game when it's that cold. And, and the second thing, of course, is the games run much too long, uh, obviously due to uh, you know commercial breaks and pitching changes. Something has to change, or a whole generation of players will be will be go- a whole generation of young players, and our fans will will just be minimized. As simple as that. Uh, let's move on. Let's go to Frank out in Long Island. Frank, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning. Hi. Um, I coached for 20 years, and I had a really good conversation. Uh, my my son played with Cal Ripken Jr.'s son. Mm-hmm. Conversation I'd like to share with you in a second, but when I coached, it, it was very important for my kids, and I told the parents this in the beginning of the year. And this is from six years old to high school. Number one, we're going to have fun. Everyone's going to have fun. Whatever it takes, we're all going to enjoy this year. Two, they should learn something about the game, maybe apply it to life, discipline, hard work, being a good teammate. And at the end of the year, I wanted every kid to want to come back and play next year. I don't think it's a coincidence that the explosion of, of these super teams in the late 90s, early 2000s, coincides with the decimation of high school sports. And when you, you hit something on the head before, when you said that, you know, when a kid goes from his local town where he plays with his friends and he goes to this super team, all of a sudden it's about now he has to be great. He, it's not about fun anymore. And I've seen it with my, my own eyes, and that's why I quit. I just couldn't deal with it anymore because it's money-driven. No, I, uh, Frank, it's, it's, uh, this is all part of the passing parade that, uh, that uh, again, the, the shift, and that's what it is, the shift from saying, from parents say to their kids, go out and just have fun, enjoy yourselves, enjoy the experience, and now we've shifted to, well, it was fun to have, it was important to have fun when you were a kid, but now that you're 10 or 12 years old, we want you to be a star, and, and that's what this is all about. We want you to be with a premier player. And the kids obviously feel that. They feel that strongly, and that's that's a real concern. Hey, Frank, they do, they I, do unfortunately, <laughs> I, I got to let you go. I'm out of time. But but you make a very important point, and that is, we again, this, this whole shift, the squeezing out of fun into now saying, okay, we want you to go out there, and it's sort of maybe unwritten or it's uh, understated in terms of being verbally expressed, but by the time you're in a club team and you're 12 or 13, which is still pretty young, we really want you to end up being a star performer so that you might get even further on the fast track, play other club teams, go on to become a, a college scholarship uh, kind of athlete, even though we know that unless it's basketball or football, 
the vast majority of college scholarships are just small portions, a few thousand dollars here, a few thousand dollars there. It's, it's difficult to sort of justify that kind of uh, situation if you're putting your kid on a fast track to go on to become a, a, a college uh, athlete. Okay, that's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. My uh, thanks this morning to Connor Green. Please stick around for Ed Randall. He is up next. I'll see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.